Pressing Matters with Africa Mplope, shining biblical truth on contentious and contemporary issues. So now I want to continue this discussion as to how do we relate healthily and well with the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, I mentioned that he is, uh, as I said, the third person of the Trinity, and there's so much that we have to gain from the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke about it prior to the cross. He made this promise that I don't leave you without a comforter. I don't leave you as orphans, but I will send you another comforter. He, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. He will bring into remembrance everything that I've taught you. He had to counsel and encourage the disciples who were obviously morose and depressed and concerned with this impending departure. So he had to encourage them that, listen, guys, I have to go, but I'll tell you this, somebody else is coming, and here are the advantages of having him in your midst. One, he will be with you forever. Two, he will convict the world of sin of righteousness and, and, and all these things, and he will be a counselor, he will be a comforter and advocate, the Paracletum, and he will, he will remind you anyway of everything I have taught you. He even says to the disciples, when they take you to the prisons and they scourge you and they held you accountable for my name, says, do not worry what you shall say, for it shall be given unto you at that time. What you shall say? Given by who? By the Holy Spirit who, give that word, who gives us utterance. We find something amazing in the book of Acts chapter 2. Because in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Remember, I mentioned the verse, let me start there first, because he then says to them, um, when he continues the discussion of God, now that's post the cross, he's now resurrected, he's now about to ascend. So in between the resurrection and ascension, he begins to again reiterate and reminds them of very important principle. He talks to them, he says, but you shall receive, they were asking about what time would the end of the day age come and how would we see these things? And he takes the attention away from that. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and up to the ends of the earth. So he tells them that he shall receive power. Remember in Luke 24 verse 49, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they are endured with power from on high. So there is this waiting. And then this waiting is, and then something happens as a wait. It says the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. And we're about to commemorate Pentecost in a few days from now. Remember, we commemorated the Passover a few days previous, past. And now, 50 days after the Passover, it's the day of Pentecost. So it Pent means five. So 50 days after Passover is Pentecost, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There are three major feasts in Israel. I want to remind you again, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. They commemorated this feast physically with animals, with the sitting, uh, things that they did, physical things that they did. But we know that all the things were but a shadow of things to come. They were pointing to a fulfillment that is spiritual. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, that was the physical Pentecost day that came, 
on the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one a place. Suddenly, there are times of suddenlies where you are gathering, waiting for God, and you don't know how long you're waiting. You don't know exactly what you're waiting for. You've not been told exactly the details of what you're waiting for, but you've been told one thing. You are told to wait. Wait for what? For something to break out of heaven into your life, and you're not sure what shape it is, what form it is, what time it's coming, but you obey the word of God that says, wait. You wait on the Lord. David says, I wait on the Lord more than they than wait for the morning. I wait for the Lord. So they're waiting, and suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They appeared, there were so what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, came to rest on them, all of them, all of them, not some, not not past, not not senior pastors or junior or young believer or old believer. No, it says all of them were filled. We're not talking about a a, a certain uh, proportion of of feeling. Others get more, others get less. No, no, no. They were all filled. And I don't know that we know about anything about feeling. I want you to put a you put a cup of you put some liquid on a cup of cup or whatever cup or you put water or, and you feel it. So they were filled with. The Holy Spirit and so after, after they're filling the Holy Spirit something began to happen as a byproduct of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now don't tell me you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and nothing happens. Don't tell me you're filled with the Holy Spirit and there is no result thereof because here there's a conjunction word called and. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and the result of being filled is that something happens that is a byproduct of being filled. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Enabled by who? By the Spirit, not by their mind, not conjuring, not some gibberish, not something that is insignificant. They were not speaking in tongues because somebody taught them or somebody trained them or some demonic force came over them. The tongues were not a source. They were not coming from the demonic force, demonic source or something evil. The tongues came from the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them, as, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So before we even go further, you need to establish this thing once and for all. Tongues do not come from demonic forces. They don't come from the mind. Tongues comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift it gives. And it's very important for men to say this right from the start. 120 people in the upper room, all of them spoke in tongues. People often ask me, are tongues for some people or others not banished? No, listen. Every time the Holy Spirit came in the Bible, everyone present spoke in tongues. Not a few in the Bible. I'm not talking about your church. I'm not talking about your experience. I'm talking about the Bible. Every time. I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture. Every time the Holy Spirit came, in any group of people who were open to him, they all spoke in tongues. Everyone in that meeting place. You look at Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit came upon all those who had the word, and they began to spoke in tongues and prophesy. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Paul placed hands on 12 people. We are only baptized. The baptism of John, he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? He says, I've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he says, what baptism have you received? He said, John's baptism. And then he said to them, and then he began to pray. The Holy Spirit came and all 12 spoke in tongues. I can show you scripture after scripture where everyone who received the Holy Spirit immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. So it's not for some people. It's for everyone. The tongues is for everyone. 
I'm talking about what the Bible shows us as an example, not what your denomination, not what your pastor or your leaders believe, but what the Bible says. You may ask me a question, but what, the, what, the, what about Paul? Paul says, I'd rather speak in a known language than to speak in an unknown tongue. But because he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. He is talking about a priority in a corporate meeting. He's not saying don't speak in tongues, but he's saying in a corporate meeting, we value more prophecy because we hear exhortation, comfort, and encouragement. He's not saying don't speak in tongues. Don't get, don't get Paul wrong. Don't misquote Paul, Paul is saying in a corporate meeting, it's more valuable to prophesy or speak in a known, it's more valuable to bless food in a known language so those who hear it may amen, may agree with the prayer. He's talking about a corporate meeting. He's saying in that kind of meeting, it's more valuable for you to utter words that others could hear so they can agree with it. But he's still not saying, because the same Paul says, I speak in tongues more than ye all. He says, I speak in tongues more than ye all. So it's never dismissed, it's never minimized the speaking of tongues, but it's always talking about where to speak in tongues, when and how. That's all that Paul did. He's never had an issue with people speaking in tongues. So let's clarify that. Tongues are very, very important, and I'll explain to you as we continue this teaching why it's important for us to speak in unknown tongues. It is absolutely vital. It's like for me, if we go to war right now, you're about to fight an enemy, and I ask you, do you want to carry a weapon, or do you want to go and fight with your bare hands. What would you do? You're fighting an enemy that is armed already, and you tell me, I give you, I give an instrument, I give you, the, 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 the weapon, it is available for you to use, or you may choose not to use it. However, the, it was available for you, so you may have the gift and the weapon in your hand, and choose not to use it, and fight the enemy with bare hands. Tongues are a gift, and a weapon that for us to have, and we may choose not to use it. It doesn't mean that you are not a member of the army. It means you are, you are a disadvantaged member of the army. You are enlisted in the army, but without all the weaponry available for you, by choice, or by some bad doctrine, but the weapon is available for you and for every person. Now, when I go to the issue of 1 Corinthians 12, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and tongues being mentioned there, I'll talk about what those tongues are, what that refers to, and those are for some. But I'm talking about a devotional prayer tongues right now, which are for every believer. For every believer, for you watching this program. So it's very, very important for us to lay out the foundation. There are 120 people in the upper room, and we don't have an indication that a single one of them left this left there without speaking in tongues. There is no even, there's no ambiguity, there's no confusion, there's no one left there having not received the gift of speaking in tongues, okay? So although we don't hear that all of them were apostles, but we do hear one thing, they all spoke in tongues. Meaning tongues are not for senior leaders, they're not for preachers, they are for every child of God. But why? Why should every child of God speak in unknown tongues? Let's ask the question and let's answer the question. Thank you for answering the question. I want to answer it to you right now. And by the way, Larry who's watching made a good suggestion that we need to ask, I need to have some time in this broadcast to allow for questions and answers. I'm going to do that. I'm going to set aside some, some time in the broadcast, so maybe later on where we're just going to be doing questions and answers and you'll send me questions prior and I'll do my best to answer them. Now, it says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us 
through wordless groans. That's NIV. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. Okay? So with, there is a prayer you can pray out of what you know. Okay, I know I need this. But there's a prayer you can pray because it's based on what you don't know. You don't know you even ought to pray for this. You don't know you have to pray for this because you don't know you even need it. And you don't even know, even if you know you need it, but you don't know how to ask God for it. Let me give you this very, very clear. Because I simply have experienced physically, I saw it live. I was at his people then, it's called Every Nation now, but his people in Baxter in the Bible school in 1997, I think. And Paul Daniel was the leader of the church there. I was there, and in a Bible school class, there was an altar call for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this young man received baptism in the Holy Spirit, and he prayed in tongues, but he could not stop. And they tried to quiet him down. They said to me, but I tell the Bible says the spirit of the prophet, except he's the prophet. Now I'll get to that. But the man could not be stopped. And they took him to the next room so the Bible school class can continue. This, was done, was done. this prayer was done in between classes. They put him in another room so the prayer, the class can continue and he can continue his prayer. I could see physically as his, being, his eyes are closed and I could see him pulling in and he's like reaching out. It's like you could see gestures of begging or prayer and gestures towards heaven, but nobody knows what he's saying because he's praying in tongues. Paul Daniel, a leader of his people, a prophetic man, laid hands on his stomach. I will, I will show it. Laid hands and said to him, leave my Lord, he's praying for his family. I have never seen that to descend that kind of activity. We are live seeing as Bible school students. He says, leave him, he's praying for his family. They took him to another room and then it was the end of it. Two weeks later, we had a testimony. This young man is from Queenstown. He's in Cape Town studying at UCT. They say after finishing prayer, after an hour of non-stop prayer, this young man had an answer to call his family back at home. And he called back at home and he asked his sister, asked his mother to call him back. His sister delayed and he had called again. Remember those times people didn't have, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have airtime in 96. I mean, no, hardly any student had a, a, a cell phone, let alone airtime. So he had to call and wait for his mother to call back at the, at the public phone, standing there and waiting for the, on the public phone. And, and the mother finally called back, and, and the mother called back, and the questions she asked, you know, the question always the first thing you ask your parent is, how are you? That's the first thing you do. He asked his mother, how are you? His mother's opening words was that, I can see. Now, what is that? She had been blind for years. He opened and went, she would have called him and much earlier, of course, he reported to him, but Pepsi didn't have the budget on money. But when he called, after praying for her, the day he finished praying for her, he called. Her mother's, the mother's response was that, I can see. He left Queenstown to start in Cape Town, leaving a blind mother behind and praying for her unknowingly, unintentionally, praying for her. Her eyes were opened. There is no distance in the spirit. Her eyes were opened, and her answer was like, I can see. I mean, who is amazed as student at the power of God? So don't tell me we are supposed to be in this cute um, a season of our lives or we think we know better, we are rational beings, we've got theology in our brains and we are full of this and full of that. No, you should be, he says we're filled, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need doctrinal knowledge. As I mentioned yesterday, the Word of God is like the, is like the banks and the, and the Holy Spirit as the river. So the, the banks, they give shape to the river. So with all word, you will dry up. All spirit, you'll blow up. Word and spirit, you'll grow up. So you need both word and spirit for you to grow up. 
Okay? So we need the Word of God. It's very important. The Holy Spirit birthed the Word, so there's no contradiction between the Word and the Spirit. But it's absolutely vital for you to understand you cannot replace the activity and the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't replace it with preaching. You can't replace it with, with anything, with your offering. You can't replace a person. Okay? Okay, I'll give an example. I'm a dad here in this home. I'm here. I provide like many of you do. I do this, I do that, I do that. But nobody can replace me. They can't bring money here and put it. They can fill the whole room with money and they have got all the provision they need in this home. But they cannot replace me as a person. They can fill this cupboard, fill every space with money. But I'm not replaceable. They can't replace me with things. They can, they can tie me down and ask me for a pin code and then go and withdraw all the money I have in the account, whatever I have, and then use it. But still, I'm bigger than what I have. I'm bigger than my presence. I'm bigger than my gifts. I'm bigger, I'm bigger than my possessions. I'm bigger than my money. I'm bigger than my car. I'm me. I, I have the car because of me. So I am the reason why the car exists. So you can't take what the Holy Spirit does and think you're going to replace the person. I said to you yesterday, today, day before yesterday, for you to receive the presence gifts of the Holy Spirit. You need the presence of the Holy Spirit. When the presence is there, the presence are there. The, the, the gifts. I hope you get this. So when you have the person, you have what the person owns. Everything that belongs to the person is yours by virtue of having access to the person of the Holy Spirit. Is that making sense to you? I think it's exciting for me. I know, I know sometimes I need to hold myself back. I know sometimes I get excited. I get excited sometimes. I know that. It's exciting. It's exciting. I don't know about you. It's exciting. This is what has sustained me. 96, I was in Cape Town in his public school. I've been saved for this long. From 95, I've been saved for 25 years now. I've walked with the Lord. I've been saved for all 25 years. I can guarantee you, I have not been sustained by some big doctrine or some church structure or denomination or whatever. No, I've been sustained by the real presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what has sustained me all these years. And He's able to sustain and keep you. He's able. He that began a good work in you is faithful to complete what He began. He will do it. Even if your pastor can fail, the Holy Spirit will never fail. He is always a present help at times of need. Okay? So it's absolutely very, very important. And many of you can testify to this because you know. Black beauty of the guys is commanding saying amen because he knows that what has sustained her is the Holy Spirit. Many of you are watching have been sustained by the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, we are playing, we're like a lecture hall. You go to church, it's like a lecture hall. It's like it's a clinical code, lecture hall. There's no substance. It's just we're just hearing head knowledge. There's nothing that is touching the heart and transforming us. But we need the Holy Spirit. We'll never outgrow. <laughs> Let me say this to you right now. I don't care. You have your Bible in your, in your computer, in your cell phone. You have your Bible. In, you've got apps. You've got concordance. You've got cross-references. You've got powerful words on TPN, on faith broadcasts, on God TV. You've got all kinds of media. You've got powerful preachers. You've got all kinds of systems to engage. You can never replace the Holy Spirit. Never. 
I don't care who's the greatest preacher, the latest guy, the greatest revelation, the greatest apps, and this and that, and best the day and devotion, or, or watching my channel right now, or looking up to me as a man. I don't care. I can't do it. Nobody can replace the Holy Spirit. I don't have the power. Nobody and nothing shall be able to replace the Spirit of God in your life. Nothing. That's why it's important for you to depend more on him than you do on any other person. Thank you, Rihanna, man of God, teaching good, sir. So thank you, everyone. It's absolutely very, very important for you to understand that. Thank you, Bohara. Um, this is powerful indeed. It's such an important thing for us to understand. The church has grown to a place where they think they can do without the Holy Spirit. I've been in churches, listen, I've had the privilege by the grace of God of ministering throughout South Africa, throughout the country. As you, some of you know, multiracial, multicultural context, all kinds of services, some long, some short. I've been in places where the service is one hour. One hour. Okay, so <laughs> please, I'm, I'm not saying the service like that. That's fine, that's good for you. But listen, you can see the color of my skin. Um, <laughs> I'm not used to that thing, right? I'm not saying our service CMP is like just endless. It's about two hours, I think two and a half the most. So, but one hour is quite a stretch for me. It's quite a, it, it, it's a stretch. It's basically two songs, eh? or two or three songs, and, and you can only preach 25 minutes. Forget alcohol, okay? Forget prophecy, forget laying out of the sick, and <laughs> we have to be gone out of here. Not because the building is taken over by somebody else or is being rented. It's their own building. It's not like the building, somebody is rushing to take over the building or something is, no, it's their own building. They have bought and paid for the building. It's theirs. After the service, we have having coffee, relax. That's not nothing we're asking for. We just have to finish an hour and we'll sit around and have coffee. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. We're having coffee. It's wonderful coffee, by the way, I must tell you. I mean, it's, it's real quality coffee. It's top class. I mean, there's levels. Eh? There's levels. That's another level of coffee. You can sip it. You feel it just, you know, it just shoots up. You feel like, wow, this coffee, it's got a sting. It's got a good sting around there. Then you ask yourself, really, really? Did we have to shorten the service that much? So that to spend this amount of time just chit-chatting among ourselves. Did we have to allow people, some people who came in with demonic oppression, leave the service with the same oppression they came with because nobody dared to, to pray and call for the article, article and go and, attack and address and confront those things because it will take our time away from drinking coffee? Good Lord. Oh, I must stop there. I must stop there. I mean, it moves me. I can't understand. It moves me to see what we have become. It moves me to see. And of course, there's an extreme as well. There's an opposite. There's, oh, there's an extreme. There's an extreme of spiriticism. Spiriticism. Okay, I'll use the word spiritism. Where people are just are just in a fear, in a drunkenness. There's no, con there's no context. There's no order. There's no teaching. There's no structure. There's no understanding what's happening. Is somebody who's just playing the music loud, puts the keyboard high, and, and makes the noise, and the sound system is loud, is even distorted. There's noise, and they think it's the Holy Spirit. Have you been there? I've been there. Well, it's just, it's just noise. And it's like, it's noise. Our eardrums are about to burst. And they think that the Holy Spirit is present because of the noise that we make. No, 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 no. In the book of Acts, the noise there was made by the Holy Spirit, not by people. 
the Holy Spirit is the one that invoked the the in Entwasa will say it. He's the one that moved the people. The people did not try to, to compensate for the Holy Spirit by making noise. They did not make noise to try and compensate for the Holy Spirit. And, and, and no, no, the Holy Spirit was enough of, of, of an instigation in their midst for them to burst out and speak in tongues. It was not them who were trying to compensate. We don't have to compensate for the Holy Spirit. In fact, you'll find the Holy Spirit moving in the most amazing places where there's quietness. In fact, I'll tell you this right now as I close. The most powerful time in God is a time in the Holy of Holies. You understand? There was an outer court with the bleating of animals, slaughtering of animals. So the noise in the in the tabernacle of, Mo, of David of Moses, the noise was outside in the outer court where there's animals. Then you go to the inner court. So the the, the, the closer you get to the Holy of Holies, the quiet it became. Okay. So on the outside there's animals, there's people. Then the people don't come in. The Levites come in. And the priests come in, the high priests come in. And so it gets quieter the more, the closer you get to God. And it's more depending on you and him, not on the corporate meeting. So in the Holy of Holies, the message seat, which also becomes a judgment seat, depending on how a person came. In the Holy of Holies, it's quiet because it's not you who speaks. It's the one who sits on the seat who speaks. In the Holy of Holies, you don't sing. He sings over you. You hear the song of the Lord and you listen to what God is about to say to you. So it gets quiet. So if all your service is full of noise, the whole service, I can guarantee now it's I can guarantee you you've just you just you just ended in the outer court. You've never walked in into the holy fullness. Now I don't mean by saying that this whole distinction of worship being slow and praise being fast. That's there's not there's not in the Bible like that. Um so, so it's not a temple of the song. But it has to do with a number of things. So um, in the Holy of Holies, we, we, there's a lot of uh, reflectiveness and listening to what God is saying. In the Old Testament, of course, there was fear. There was fear because they didn't know whether they are going to live or die. There was real reverence because they didn't know where their standing is with God and far as their walk with God is concerned. So they didn't come with a sense of tale, this thing of usuality, this thing of you know, just being casual with God. They had the sense of awe when they came before the presence of God. I have to stop because, not because of time, God time is against us. Because the presence of God is so strong, I have to stop. Oh my God. The presence of God is so strong right here, right now. As I, tell, as I teach right now, the presence of God just came in as so strong. Now, I'm not here to justify to rationalize to you what it means for the presence of God to be strong. What am I referring to? I'm not here for that. I just know what I know. Okay, I'm not here to, to, to justify to you and whatever your belief or your theology is. I just know when the presence of God has come in, it is so amazing. And right now, I can tell you, He has just come in right here in this room as I'm telling to you. I hope it's the same thing has happened in your home right now. My prayer as a minister of the gospel is that, you know, it's amazing prayer, but it's really true. I, I said, really, I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. Ministers that I've, I've worked with, I'm not saying I'm the most perfect one, but they always wish that you would get everything they have and more. They, uh, we know, because why? I tell you this, and I need to close. The more I, you think, I, the more you get close to where I am, 
You don't replace me like nobody can replace the aspect of your home. You simply challenge me to grow up higher. So I can't be intimidated by you growing in the Lord. When you grow in the Lord and you know more stuff, more stuff, more stuff, you simply challenge me to, to, to lift up the level a little bit and go higher. So you can't, I can't feel like, oh, they get to know more now. I must just limit them. No, 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 their knowledge because what if they know enough not to come and need me again to teach them? That's not how it works out. In fact, 1 John 2, 27, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, the anointing you've received will teach you all things. You don't need any man to teach you. The same anointing will teach you all things. So ultimately, you challenge me to grow and to seek more of God so that I can be challenged in my own walk with God. It's, it works both ways. We sharpen each other. And guess what? One day I sit and listen and receive from you because it's a person of all believers. God gives to you as much as he gives to me. Amen and amen. Let's end it right here. <laughs> Oh, it's a sweet thank you. It is really true. Thank you, Hazel. It's true. Holy Spirit is so sweet. His presence is so wonderful. Spirit of God, we thank you for this beautiful time of fellowship we've had virtually with so many people.